We just want to welcome everybody here this morning. We have some people that I have not seen here before, and you're welcome here this morning. It's so good to have you with us. And, um, you know, we have, we have these uh, website things where we're supposed to put a description of, of who we are, and it's always kind of, uh, you know, it makes you kind of think, well, who are we? And uh, so my most recent approach to this was to say that we are a passionate fellowship in search of, of Jesus together. And I, I thought, well, this was a good example of that this morning. How many have uh, had somebody uh, cry for the prayer or for the offering before? I, that's, that's rather inspiring, I think. <laughs> you know? uh, and, uh, you know, I really believe that the, the, the more we actually experience God as he really is, it, it'll touch our hearts and cause us to be passionate in ways that we have not gone uh, before. Amen. And so we do welcome you here this morning, encourage you to, we're, we're about coming together. We really feel like it's significant that we do come together. And we feel like because it is so significant that we're going to be challenged, that we're going to, we're going to have reasons not to, personal reasons, gov- governmental reasons. We have all kinds of reasons that threaten one of the most powerful things that we have, and that's coming together. And so this is the vision that we have is, is to gather, but it's not just to, to come together. It's not to just say, hey, I went to church, but it's to say I grew. Yeah. And so that won't just happen on a Sunday. It, it'll happen in the other times during the week, you know, like, like uh, Lindsay was talking about. And I, I do want to encourage the men. This is a new thing for us that we're going into, and it's just focused just on men. And uh, I encourage you, there's, there's going to be some handbooks that, that, that are going to be available there. They're $15. Uh, I think it's a good, good investment. There's going to be six sessions, um, and there's some additional volumes beyond this if, if we find this is something that we're getting a lot out of. I guarantee you, though, just coming together at Larry's base camp will be an experience <laughs> that, you know, you'll say, from that day on, I, I was a different man, you know. <laughs> so... So we're looking forward to that, and uh, I, I'm so grateful for, for my father, like, like uh, Pastor Kim was sharing, you know, my father. It's interesting to me how, um, how you know, you can, you can be given genes that uh, certain ones that you might have checkmarked that those were the ones you wanted, you didn't get, you know. It's like, <laughs> there's so many things about my dad. He's taller than me. He's... Uh, He's got, he's got, he can play anything and just, and he's very, very naturally musical. He was my inspiration to, you know, um, actually we went over to Erica. I don't know if, I don't know if Erica's watching or not, not Erica and, and Alex. We went over to their house and he fixed us, uh, some, some, uh, a meal. And, um, you know, I was just telling him about how my, my father was always, you know, he grew up a cowboy, you know, you'd think just honky tonk, you know, music like that. But somehow his heart was touched by the Latino culture uh, to the point that he learned classical guitar on electric guitar uh, by listening to it on a vinyl record, you know, picking it up and putting it back. And I, I, my, my father's just amazing in that regard. So there's some things I think, Dad, why don't you give me more of that, you know? <laughs> A little bit more height, you know? Uh, but something... Something he did give me was a passion for God, and, and there's other elements that, you know, I'm going to talk about this morning that, that fathers are uniquely designed for yeah. as men yeah. to impart that nobody else can. Yeah. 
Speaking of women, you know, thank you know we all we all came from a woman, you know, but we also all came from a man, and and we were all affected by men in our lives, one way or another, and because there's an effect that we have as men, and uh, so I'm so grateful for the effect that my father's had on me that he continues to have, and uh, I just want to honor him today and every other. Father, here this morning, I just want you to know that it's no small thing. God does not see who we are as men and especially as fathers. He, he, he sees it as, as part of his plan. Yes. Amen? Yes. And so I have another video. You want to see another video? Yes. We like to have videos, you know, for these special days like this. But this is, this is the roles of a father, so. Your dad, you have to play a lot of roles. Hey, 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 don't eat that. Don't tap on the brain. Okay. Oh, all right. Oh, man, that was real. Take, take a left, turn left, turn left, turn left. When a man loves a woman, he... Honey! All right, sweetie. <laughs> this time I want you to concentrate and focus on the ball. You got this. It's one of the most valuable things I believe that God has designed, the effect of a father. And, and how I want to uh, reference this this morning has to do with our identity, that our identity actually comes from our father. Um, as wonderful as our mothers are and how grateful we are for their, their nurturing, our identity comes from our fathers. And, uh, and so... If that's true, that will be one of the greatest challenges to us personally, but then to a society. When a society is brought down, its identity is compromised. When somebody invades, what they want to do is, is make you become their servant, take over your identity. If they can't do that, that's why America has been so strong for so long. It hasn't been because of our military. It's been because of our family under God. And so what's being threatened in America today 
is something much more devastating than the nuclear bomb, than, you know, especially conventional weapons, uh, because we have that covered. But our nation is being greatly challenged by its identity. And, and if you can remove the identity of the fathers from a nation, you can come in and have your way. It'll be handed to you because everybody loses their, their sense of value. So I want to talk about identity. We've been talking for just a few weeks now about did God really say that? So there's some things going on in, in our world right now that, that it, it's like it's being imposed on us. That We just have to accept this because people say that that's what it is. In fact, you know, they'll even, they'll even reference the Bible from time to time. But did God really say this stuff? And what does he have to say about our identity? You know, last time we talked about life. And we, we did a walk yesterday, uh, you know, uh, against abortion uh, to, to save lives. And, uh, you know, this, this has been something for years. I was talking with... Uh, Edna, she started with this like in 1981. She got started in, in standing up against these things. Uh, 1973, I think it was, wasn't it? Or That's when, when Roe versus Wade, where the whole nation just began to accept certain things. And then we had something happen just a few years ago where same-sex marriage was, you know, said it, it's, it's the law of the land now by our Supreme Court. Just because somebody says something, does that mean it's the way it truly is? And what does God have to say about it? Because our, our defenses are not going to be by just what somebody feels or thinks about things. It's going to be about what God says about it. Amen? So again, one of our biggest challenges right now is identity. And, and there's going to be, you know, it, as soon as you begin... It, especially when it comes to God, as soon as you begin to put people in categories and make them unsure about the category that they're in, you're taking God out of the picture. And you're saying, he doesn't, he doesn't, we don't really even need to consider him. We've risen above God somehow, right? And so in the area of identity, um, there's a real need for us to consider, especially on this Father's Day, the role of the father. And I like this video because there's so many roles represented in there. Um, but what happens when you remove those roles? What happens when, when that father isn't there? Or he's not, he doesn't, he's not secure in his role. He doesn't know who he is. And this is where the threat comes, where, where the enemy wants to come in and, and, and he will destroy somebody else by destroying a father. Okay. So I believe there's some stuff to draw out here today. You know, I, I have a word. I believe this is from God for us, for this day. Um, and we need help right now. I have some things prepared, but I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to each one of our hearts. Amen. So a, ch a child's identity in this, you know, I was, I was reading. We, we're, we're, we're actually raising our grandson. And so I get the... Uh, I get the role of putting him to bed at night. And this is something that's been precious to me with all, all of our children. I mean, Hunter over here, he, he, he took after my dad. It's like that, that little checkbox that I would have had with my dad. It just skipped me and went to him. And he, and he got taller. What? My dad 
I'm just talking about my dad right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember putting him to bed and saying, Hunter, I'm going to miss you so much. And you know how kids are when they're, they're oh, dad, I'm never going to leave. No, no, you're leaving. I know you are. <laughs> he came back. I'm just not putting him to bed at night. You know, it's like, thank goodness. Um, no, <laughs> no. But I, I was doing that with Braden the other night, and uh, you know, they, they want you to read to him. And I, I just started um, started in First Samuel here, and, and I was reading about Hannah, and uh, and how how passionate she was for a son. And how effective that son was in, in uh, influencing the nation of, of Israel, uh, their, their kings, right? And, and being a prophet and leading them, being a voice. But I was reading here, and, and you know, this is just, a, this is one verse. And if you read the Old Testament at all, some of those passages, they'll put you to sleep, won't they? You know, the begatitudes, uh, <laughs> you know, who begat who? It's like, why did God put the who be at, who's in there? You know, it's because it matters. Yeah. It matters who begat who. Yeah. You can follow the whole lineage all the way to Jesus because of who begat who. It may, it makes a difference. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's women along the way that are that are a big part of that also. But it it always goes in the line of the. Whose father was, whose father was, whose father was. And so I, I, I was reading this to him, and it's like, I'll give an attempt at actually saying some of these names, but hang in there with me, okay? Now, there was a certain man of Ramathiam, Zophim. Sometimes, man, I, I don't even remember reading some of these words, you know, names, do you? Of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of of Jeroham, the son, it's like, that should have been enough right there, but it wasn't, right? The son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. So not, now, now Zuf wasn't just Zuf, he was also a son of somebody else, but they kind of said, well, we'll take a breath, you know? <laughs> and what difference does that make? It's because every single one of them was a part of the lineage that would come. And, you know, we, we grew up, and, you know, I've referred this, to this before, but we grew up singing in children's church, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had father. I am one of them. Yes. And so are you. Yeah. So let's just praise the Lord, right? So, um, so actually, you know, and people get into... Uh, there's websites for this where you can follow your lineage all as, you know, as far back as you can go. Um, and there, there is a very natural significance to who your father was. There's, a, there's an impartation of identity that comes through the name of your father. There's a family name. And here's what I want to I touch on this morning is what a father gives. He gives a name. Now, I know things are getting skewed in this day that we live right now, you know, and you can have, I don't know how many fathers they let you have now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works, you know, but, or, or, you know, if there's a couple moms and one of them wants to pretend like they're the father or whatever. Um, but, but God's design is for there be, to be a male, the way they're, we're actually structured psych, psychologically, 
our, our, our hormones. And, and you know, you can, you can try. There, there is no validation for there to be any disruption in this identity of being a male based upon biology or psychology. There's much more validation based upon experience that you have that influences those things. And so, um, so there's an identity that will affect every offspring that, 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 that is, is significant. And it comes from God. You know, it, it's amazing how you can really start to mess things up when you start to try to, to get involved with things that God has already designed. You know? So, uh, I have a statement here. To change a nation's identity, loyalty, heritage, you must change its fatherhood. As long as the fatherhood remains in place, the name, purpose, function, destination cannot be changed to another. If you can maintain the identity of, of the families under God, there's a strength there that you cannot, you can come in and occupy it, you can invade, but you will not take away. So what happened in Israel? You know, Israel was, prom they were promised the promised land forever, weren't they? But what happened? Their fathers abandoned what they were given before God. And they abandoned their responsibilities to teach that. Remember in Deuteronomy, he said, you teach this to your children. You, you make this an ongoing thing. Who, whose responsibility was that? It was the fathers. It was the fathers. Now, the mothers can, can do it, but they can't take the role of the father. Because God has designed it. And so what, what the enemy does is he comes in, and, and, and what he wants to do is to cause a man to feel like he's not the one. It, it just he wants to strip away the authority of men, make them feel, feel like they're emasculated in their home, you know, and in the society around them. Our, our society's trying to make it to where being a man is no different than anything else. In fact, you're less than. In fact, you have to give up your man card if you even want to make it. And it's completely opposite of God's design. And what it does and the danger of it is the very ones that are, are, are trying to strip this identity of a man are the ones that are going to get hurt the most. It'll, it'll, it'll destroy the society that removes the role of the, of the father. Okay. Are you with me this morning? <laughs> so there's, there's, there's a, a, a passage out of Lamentations and, and, and it refers to this. It's like, so what happens when the, what is Lamentations? That's a bunch of people crying, right? It's like, woe is me. <laughs> this is, this is, this is uh, lamenting, yes. So in Lamentations 5.1, it says, Lord, remember what has happened to us. See how we have been disgraced. What is disgraced? Removed from favor, removed from power, removed from an ability to fulfill your purpose. Disgraced, right? Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers. This is kind of the definition of this. You take away, you take away fathers. This third verse. We are orphaned and fatherless. Our mothers are widowed. Now, does it, you know, that, that, and 
let me look at this, this next slide because this doesn't just happen. It happens in different ways, you know, and uh, part of what we're going to be looking at, you know, with, with the men is, is what happens in war is, is there's a whole generation of fathers that get removed uh, and, and just put to death. And the ones that do come back are compromised psychologically. A lot of times, I'm not saying they all are, but there's a large degree of compromise just in, in, their, in, in, in their ability to fulfill their role with confidence because they've been challenged, right? So fatherhood is challenged in these three ways, just destroying life itself, right? This is going on in our country today, especially certain cultures. Their young men are just being killed. And part of the challenge of this is, is trying to find out why. And if you're left on your own understanding to determine why, you come up with a reason that's even going to make it worse. Yes. And that's what's going on right now. Yeah. I'll just say it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> because to try to put, uh, put the blame on another group of people for something that is happening in your own group does not bring a solution. In fact, it only makes it worse. Um, because this is what's actually happened. It's not the, the, the removal and, and the, the putting to death of, of a whole generation of young men began with the removal of the father from the home several years ago. So there's a removal of a father that doesn't require actually death. It just removes being removing them from the home. So what happens with it? And the second one is removal of roles. Saying, okay, uh, you aren't capable of doing that well enough, so we'll just have the government do it for you. In fact, we'll give you a we'll give you a benefit for that. Okay, I know I'm going some places here this morning, but I believe we need to talk about it because this God is God cares. He cares about this. He cares about a society being strong. Yes. You know, we're supposed to pray for our leaders daily so that things can go well in our, well, what are we going to be praying for? We're going to be praying for these kinds of things, yes. for there not to be a removal yeah. of a family from our nation right. by removing fathers from their homes and going in and giving governmental benefits to try to make it look like the father can't even... Do his job. So what happens with that is you have, anytime you can compromise somebody's confidence in who they are, you, 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 you uh, instigate retaliation that has no basis in sanity, <laughs> in common sense. There's just a striking out. Especially in, 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 here, especially in young men, because what in young men we, we do have testosterone we do have a need to be to be strong to fulfill our role and if it's not being fulfilled as God designed it there's a, a natural need to to express and to to, to dominate yeah. and to take control in some way yeah. and when it's not from God it will be destructive yeah, now I'm, I know I'm, I'm referring to some specific things right now but this applies to each one of us applies to each one. I know I'm talking to men specifically, but we all have a father effect in our life. 
or not. And God wants to be involved whether we do or not. He wants to affect every part of our life in this father role. I like singing that song this morning. He's a good, good father, right? Well, how is that? How does that affect? It has to do with how we are conceived, how we are born, and how we are affected by the presence or non-presence of a father in our life and as fathers, right? Okay. So, father is not just seed. It's not, you you don't just father some, uh, you're not just done once you produce the seed. A father has to show up in all those roles. You know, all the way to answering the phone call to be the counselor at the, you know, your hair turns gray. So John 8, 44. You are the children of your father, the devil. So I I wanted to just go here. (laughs) Jesus went here. You can tell somebody's father by how they're acting. You can tell somebody's father because what they're doing is they're producing what has been uh, conceived in them. And he's talking to religious people. You would think, well, religious people, oh, they go to church, you know, they read their Bible, they give, whatever, you know. And, and he said, no, what you're producing is something that is displaying who your father is. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. What God is more, uh, or what Jesus is displaying a care for here is the truth. And what happens when, when a father's not fulfilling his role, truth gets out of line, it gets skewed. Because part of the role of the father is, is, is like in this, this video, Drawing from a source of truth that cannot be compromised. And, and instilling that. So there's, there's this, there's this uh, representation of who's your father based upon what you choose to do. And it will affect you. It's, it's, it's an inevitable effect, okay? So, um, so there is this crisis of identity, and there's a way that God approaches this, and this is going to be good to get to here. God's father's solution, it's a spirit conception, okay? So here's the challenge, you know, and, and I, was, I was, you know, this is always a, a tough subject because all of us have, have an experience with a father, and a lot of times our experience, a lot of people's experience hasn't been good. And a lot of times as a father, we, we, we might feel like we failed also. And so whenever you start to talk about these kinds of things, it's like, uh, I, you just don't want people to get all beat up, you know? It's like, what's, what's, what's well, so wonderfully, we're not just here to, to, to feel bad about not being something. We're here to know that God, he has a design for this. He has an answer. Amen. And we can say, well, what does God really say about fathers? So here's the interesting thing. Until Jesus came along, 
God was just this big, scary God up in, in heaven, you know. Few people would come along and have a good relationship with him. But most of the time, people were just afraid of him. You know, it's like, well, let's go kill our lamb so he doesn't beat us up or something. You know, it's, it's like they're, not, they're, they're, they're just kind of afraid of him. And, and so the challenge with us, even right now, even as, even as Christians and people that have given our life to God, this isn't something, being a good father isn't something that we just decide to do or we feel uh, compelled to do from an emotional standpoint. Just as we are affected naturally by a father, just because we were conceived by them, so there will be an answer by a spiritual conception. So what happened with Jesus? He wasn't conceived of a man, was he? Even though you can trace the lineage of Mary all the way back, you can't change, you can't, you can't follow the, the lineage of Joseph because Joseph did not conceive Jesus. He was born of the Spirit, wasn't he? So what happens with a spirit conception? It, it produces a spirit life. It produces a spirit father that produces a spirit a, a spirit name, a spirit character. <laughs> so this is why it, you, you can tell the, the, uh, the trajectory of a nation based upon its embrace of God. And you know, it doesn't take a majority, but it takes uh, some authenticity. It's kind of like our authentic manhood, you know? It's gonna take that. And wonderfully, Jesus provided a way for, for him to not just be the only one that was conceived by the Spirit, but there's a possibility for us to be also. And for this to be something that, just as we were born naturally and physically to a, to a person that, that we get our genes and we get a lot of our, we get influenced by them, by their character, by what they choose to do, by the Spirit, we can begin to be affected by another father. But it requires the same kind of conception. It's just, it's just a spiritual one. So, are y'all with me here this morning? All right. You're just kind of dumbfounded, I think, aren't you? All right. <laughs> so, there's a, fa a father identity through spirit conception. Matthew 1.20. And so this is, this is when the angel, remember the angel already, uh, uh, the angel already met with Mary and there's always going to be this kind of an experience. Remember the angel came and met Mary and he, he gave her this whole thing. And what was Mary's response? Be it unto me according to your word. This is, this is the, the call of God to all of us. Many are called, but few are chosen. And I like to think about it this way is God wants to call everybody, but only the ones that say, be it unto me, are the ones that are chosen. You know, you can have the phone ring all day until you pick it up and answer it and say, hello, this is me. <laughs> you know, it's calling, but are you answering? So, so the Holy Spirit had already met Mary. There was a conception already inside of her because she said, be it unto me. She received this conception, right? And, and uh, 
So then the angel goes and he speaks to Joseph and he talks to him about this. This is a very wonderful passage. So he says, and he, he considered this. As he considered this, Joseph's considering this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He found out that she's, he's, she's uh, pregnant, right? And, and it's not him. He knows that, right? And he's a man. Man, you, this would be challenging to your manhood, right? But this angel speaks to him, and this is something that men... <laughs> It's like, yeah, I already heard. No, you never heard this before. You know, this, this is news to you, right? Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You know, this is a very precious thing. This, this role that Joseph had to, to take, he was a stepfather, with the other father still there. <laughs> In fact, when, he, when he's 12 and he goes to the temple, he says, I have to be about my father's business. And he's telling Joseph this, you know? Jesus had this identity of his father from a spiritual conception that completely influenced his name and his character. This is the influence of a natural father, a name. He gives a name. It's, his, it's our identity. But a name is not the full identity. The character is the identity. That's good. And this is what the Father God has put into place to be a solution to this void of fatherhood without beating anybody up. He says, here it is. Here's an opportunity for this role to be filled. And all we have to do as men is say, be it unto me. And what happens in that process is we become like Jesus. <laughs> There's a conception inside of us. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us. And he begins to make a new creation. We're born. We're born of the Spirit. I know this is familiar to us, but isn't this a wonderful approach to this? Amen? Amen? Because what happened with Jesus, because he had this understanding, he started talking about the almighty God, Elohim, you know, the one you're not even supposed to say his name. He began to refer to him as his father. And what are you saying when somebody's my father? Well, I have his name. I have his character. I do what he does. And you know what? It was that revelation that put him on the cross. That was the thing that they could, they, they could not accept. But it was the very thing that Jesus was introducing for us. So that this role of fatherhood could be given to each one of us individually. And then it would be enabled in us as fathers. To fulfill a role that we can't fill on our own. <laughs> this, is, this is encouraging to me. Because you know what? We, we as fathers, you know, we, we need to get together. We need to talk. We need to. But what are we doing when we get together and talk? If it's not about what God's role in our life is. And how much we're being affected by the name of God in our life. And his character over us. And unless we're saying, be it unto me. According to your word, 
We're just being buddies. <laughs> right? And identity is still being compromised by a world's perspective of it. There has to be an embrace of God's solution to this challenge. Amen? You know, this is the wonderful thing about answers to these things that are going on in our world today. And here's how the enemy wants to skew things. Right now, there is a, there's a threat against the church that we are haters, that we are against certain people because of their choices. And that's, that's so much further than the truth, from the truth. That, that is so far from it. Jesus came and laid down his life. So each one of these people that are making choices that are opposite to what we believe can be delivered from the bondage of what they're choosing. Amen? But even that statement alone is offensive to somebody that's wanting to hold on to something. Right? But you take the love of God and the person that has the love of God is ready to lay down their life, not to take a life, to prove something. Right? Right? That's what we've been given in this, in this identity. and We've been given a name. What is that name? It's the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus, we have power over these things. Right? And what is the name of Jesus? Redeemer. Lamb of God. The one that laid down his life. Amen? Uncompromised character. The one who does not put people into categories and treat them differently based upon what they look like or what they feel like. Amen? He says, no, I laid down my life for everyone. In fact, I'm going to go out and I'm going I'm to rescue the one that's, that's lost. Right? <laughs> that is the heart of our Father God. That is the heart of our Father God. That, the, 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 that when we say, be it unto me, be born in me, this life that you are. Grow in me. It needs to grow. It, it, it can't just be, we can't just say I was wonderfully born again 30 years ago. Well, did you ever learn how to talk you know, or walk or uh, you know, anything else? Because as you do, you'll take on A representation of a name. What is a name? A name has to do with something that's been established through time. Of what you can depend on with somebody to represent a certain pattern. Right? You know, uh, I've referred to this before, but you know, athletes on certain teams... They're not just an athlete. They, we have some major superstars going on right now. You know, it's NBA, if you watch any of this, these guys are amazing. But you know what? They're not just themselves when they get out there. They have a shirt on that says who they represent. It's a name. They don't just represent themselves. They represent a name. Right? And when, when we actually are born of the Spirit... We get the same Father God that Jesus referred to, right? 
And, and no longer are we without a name or, or, or is our name something that we're ashamed of? No, we've been given a name that's above every name and it's our name. Amen. And with that spiritual conception becomes a, also a character that's God's character. Amen. We've been fathered by him. Humans can reproduce only human life. So this has to do with this spiritual conception. Jesus is talking about this. He says, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Again, I, I, I refer to this with regard to our nation. Our nation uh, was built upon this principle. And the challenge to it right now, the, the greatest challenge to it, is an identity of fatherhood that begins with this fatherhood but has its evidence and its ramifications in the removal of actual physical fatherhood. As soon as you take God out of the situation, out of school prayer, out of a decision whether or not to murder a baby in the stomach, what you're doing is you're, is you're compromising truth. And it allows there to be a removal of the power of the Father to influence like you should. Can we go there? I think we did. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh. We got to speak the truth, don't we? And, you know, we, we just speak it in love. We're not against anybody. This is the answer. Why would you withhold the answer? You know? Um, so Romans, Romans 8, ramen noodles. Maybe that's what we're thinking about. Romans 8, 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I know we're familiar with this, but man, this has to become revelation to us. It has to become reality in our life. Amen? Yes. That we actually have a father God that's not just a wonderful song that's fun to sing. And, and you know, we don't just say he's good all the time. He, all the time he's good. Yes, he is, but he's our father. And if he's good, he gives us his name. And his character. So now, wherever we go, we're not just going as ourselves. Amen? We're going representing a name. We're going representing a character that is from him. Amen? All right. There's another verse in this Roman, Roman noodle passage here. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Man, this is the most wonderful thing. We sang about this today. Grace washes over me. He gave us right standing. <laughs> that has nothing to do with how wonderful we are. It has to do with us saying, be it unto me. Come in, be my Lord. I am born again in you. Now, whatever I had before is no longer my lineage alone. Amen? Now, my past is the cross. 
Now I have a, I, my, my father is Abraham. Now my father is, is David. Now my father, right? And now my character, my ability per, to perceive and act wisely is no longer just something that I'm sitting around thinking about or getting from Facebook or YouTube or what somebody's lofty personal thoughts are about this or that. No, it comes from the one who made us. That seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Why not get who we are, our identity, from the one who made us? Amen. Amen? But it does require this. It does require this saying, be it unto me. The amazing thing, and this is, this is what I, I want us to be encouraged in here today. I, I, believe, I believe most of us in here are born of God, that we've, we've said that, be it unto me. But what happens when that happens? <laughs> we never get a full understanding of it. Paul said, I just keep pressing on to take hold of what's already been done for me. Yeah. This, this lineage that I've been given in Christ. You know what? You, you falling one day is not removing that. You, you doing something, because we do, we'll, we'll fail. And what the enemy wants to do is come strip our identity as a child of Almighty God because something we knew, know we did wrong, you know? And he wants to, he wants to cause us to have a, 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 a victim guilty conscience when he's trying to say, no, I made you in right standing. I see you as my son, as my daughter. This is the way fatherhood should be done. And this is the wonderful thing about our fathers here today is we have an example in him that when we submit to his way of fathering us, it enables us to father in the same way. That we don't just beat up on our kids. We just don't tell them how bad they are with the purpose of trying to correct them. No. He said, no, I put you in right standing. Whatever it did, whatever you've done, you just have to know right now you're my son. You're my child. And that, that's, that's above anything else. In fact, you will not be able to continue in that if you can get a full understanding of your sonship. That you're my child. Because my, I'm your father now. You can't help. You've got my name. You've got my character. Right? All right. So God present, presents himself. Okay, this is kind of like the angel talking to Mary, right? God presents himself, and he, and he, and he says, I'm here for you. I'm here to be your father. And to, to accept him with, with honor, there is an inevitable joy. There's an inevitable victory when you identify with who you are. <laughs> we got some weird stuff going on. I've referred this, this before, but we got some weird stuff going on with some of the the. Mon- uh, the, the Royalty in our world, you know, that, that somebody's born into royalty and they decide they don't want to be. Is that amazing? It's like, man, don't you have any brains at all? You know? <laughs> but it can relate to us too. If you, the only reason why somebody, and the reason why you really think they don't have any brains is because, I mean, they know what it's like to be royal. Now, the, the disadvantage for us sometimes is, is we don't really have a full concept of what it means to be a child of God. Because if you did, yeah. you would not go to America and leave Britain. You would say, no, that's mine. 
I'm going to be who I've been, been put in the right standing with. And there's going to be joy that is an experience that's yours where you're no longer bound in another place. You've been drawn out of darkness into a kingdom of light. That's what's yours when he's your father. Amen. But here's the thing. You can rebel. It's like, it's like the prodigal son. Did the father make the son leave? Was he mean to him or anything? No. No, he just wanted to go to America. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he found out that it wasn't as cool as he thought it was. And he, and he came back, right? <laughs> but this is, this is inevitable, and, and, it, and it's amazing sometimes. I don't know if you've all experienced this yourself. I've kind of experienced it myself a little bit, but it's, it's, as, as when, you, when you identify with another father in your life, somebody that's leading you another direction, it always just gets hot and dry. You know what I mean? Right? You think, why did I ever leave Britain? Let's go back. Right? It's our choice. This is what I want to challenge us with today. Is there is there is something we have to be going towards proactively all the time. And, the, and there's a challenge. Because this is so significant, it will be one of our greatest challenges in life. Who are we? Who are we? And we, you don't get any other identity that's going to be significant, legitimate, take you to a place of joy than the one that will come from being birthed into your father God, knowing it and walking it out. Amen? All right. I'm just getting a little fired up here. All right. Psalm 68. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. He says, I want you to be, I want you to come into my dwelling. You know, for some reason, sin has an enticement. Things of darkness have, have a way of drawing people into them. And it's like, oh, you want me to be holy? That just sounds like I'm not going to get to do anything I want to do. And you know what? God says, if you'll come into my house, if you'll let me be, my, be your father, it's going to be a holy place. You're going to find out the holiness is actually very peaceful. You get to sleep. You know, you get, to, you get your needs met. Holiness is a wonderful thing. <laughs> Whose dwelling is holy. God places, don't you like this? And this is partly what we were about yesterday walking. Is, is there's, there's an ability, you know, the, 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 the biggest thing you, you see today in the world is Planned Parenthood whenever there's somebody that's in a situation where they need to, to, to deal with a pregnancy. And the biggest opportunity that they see is available is, 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 is this. But there's a lot of other ones out there where instead of destroying a life, you place a life. Where somebody can be the father to that child. It doesn't have to be their con, uh, conceiving father. It can be somebody that fills a role. Right? And this is what God wants to do in all of our lives is to, to give you a home. It's like, like we say, welcome home to, to New Life Church. It's not just New Life Church. It's, it's to the Father. Welcome home to the Father, right? He, he, he places the lonely, those people that don't feel like they have a, a home. He puts them in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. 
but he makes the rebellious. And who are the rebellious? The ones that just say, no, I don't think I'll have that, right? He makes them live in a sun-scorched land. That does, you know, he, he doesn't make them. That's kind of their choice. That's what rebellion is. It's a choice to not have him as your father, right? All right. Are you loving? I just feel the love just just growing here this morning. It's like, wow, this is so amazing. All right. To respond to his offer then. So this is what he offers us. He says, I want to be the father. I want to, I want to, I want to fill this role. I, I want it for it to be shown to us. So the fatherhood is what it's meant to be, right? To respond to his offer is to receive his name to overcome. I like this part. Okay. John 17. All right, I'm gonna accelerate so. So, so we can get through the rest of this, all right? So, so be comforted right now, all right? I'm, I'm getting into acceleration mode. I, got, I have a fifth gear now, all right? John 17, 10, all who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. What is that? That, that means they take on my name to show my name. This is what our life becomes about. It's not just our glory, it's God's glory. Okay, uh, he said, you're gonna speed up, so I will. All right, now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. God's all about unification. The devil's all about division. If he wants, if he's going to take down a, a nation, if he's going to take, he's going to cause as many divisions as he can, right? And that's that's why we, as the body, I'm not talking about division here this morning, am I? <laughs> you know, somebody could be offended, but I'm talking about unification. When we all come under the same father, we're all in the same family. It doesn't matter what we look like, right? And we're all lifting each other up no matter what. That's the Father's heart. He wants to be the Father to everybody. <laughs> so it's just a big family thing. During my time here, I protected them. I, so I, This power of the name. This is what we get in our Father. Power in a name. It's not, so, it's not just a magic, uh, you know, abracadabra. It's... It's not, it's not just the sound Jesus, it's the reputation of God himself that we take it on as ours, amen? And so Jesus, this is his prayer to the Father. He said, I pray that they, by the power of your name, will be united just like we are, amen? And in that unification will be the repelling of every work of the enemy that would destroy from the Father, there's an instruction and demonstration. So what we saw right there was the name that we get from the Father, and that there will also be a demonstration of his character. What is he, what is he, what's the character of God? Healing, restoration, provision, right? Yes. Truth. Yes. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. Ah, finally, we get the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. And this is where we have to come to. It, my life is not my own. I have died and my life is hid with God in Christ. Amen? Yes. If Jesus could say this, he said, I'm showing you how to find the greatest 
discovery of who you are. This is the amazing thing. As much resistance as there is to God being the Lord in somebody's life, what somebody's holding on to is a, a misconception, a misperception of their identity. They're trying to hold on to an unidentity. There's a word for you. That's uh, <laughs> not in an identity, right? See, she likes to catch me on words that aren't words. So I just said one just so that she would smile. Okay. <laughs> he does only what he sees the father doing. There's a relationship that we can have with our father, God, if we choose to be with him. Where he begins to affect everything that we are as our identity. Amen? And this is liberation. It's not bondage. It's freedom. To be who we've been made to be. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. Again, this is a wonderful emulation for us as fathers too. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than the healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. God wants to demonstrate his name, his character through us. Amen. Behavior indicates fatherhood. So Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. This is how God, who he is, will be known in the world. In God's fatherhood, preparation of a nation for godly wisdom. And this is what we talked about. That for a society to be moved in a positive direction, it requires preparation in the hearts of the father's towards their children. Because I've just been talking about getting connected with the Father, but here's what's, this is how this is gonna happen in a way that's gonna be effective, is when us as fathers have our hearts turned away from our self-focused things. You know, Larry kind of referred to some things. He said, you know, our lives can be consumed with, with our jobs, with a lot of other things, and we can miss out on being the fathers that we've been called to be. And thankfully, it's not ever completely over. We we can be redeemed with regard to that, right? But the nation, a larger scale is going on than just my little world. God wants to affect the, the nation of, a, of America, the United States. He will do it through us. There is no other hope. There's not a political answer. There's not a political person that's gonna be the answer. It's gonna be people, fathers, Getting from their father God a way of actually being a father the way it needs to be. And let, let's just look at this because this is really interesting. John the Baptist, what, what did he do? He went ahead of Jesus to what? Prepare a nation to receive Jesus. And look at, look at how this happened. This is kind of interesting. All right. Y'all are still with me. Man, you need to say, man, this is so good. I, I'm just being so encouraged here. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So Zechariah's word about his son, John. So this is, this is the father. He's a priest, right? He's the father of John the Baptist. And he gets a word about his son. And it's preparation for the Lord. Father's hearts are going to be turned. The turning of the father's hearts is necessary for the, turn, the, the reception of a God way that will bring an answer to a nation. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. 
He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So I saw this as just a little picture of if we want to have a society change for the better, the turning of the hearts of the father is essential. It's preparation for that. There's not acceptance of a way that's higher of, of truth without involvement of the fathers. Amen? And it'll be fathers that are getting their input and their wisdom, not from social media, but from the, their father God and from coming to our men's meetings. Oh, okay. <laughs> it will be a part of... There, there needs to be a sharpening... Iron sharpening iron, where, where we're growing in this, where we're being accountable. Here, here's, the, here's one of the biggest challenges to a father is to be isolated and to just feel like they're on their own, right? This is why God says, man, we got to get together. We got to be together, right? And the father is unity that impacts the world with his glory. John 17, 20. I'm praying not for, for these disciples, only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us, right? I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. All right, I'm still going on here because this, this is a good passage. And guess what? It's the final passage. So, so. I am in them, and you are in me. This is the passion of the Father God. And again, speaking to fathers today, sometimes we can say, man, I just can't wait until they leave, you know, <laughs> till, till they, they're paying their own bills, you know. <laughs> but, but the Father's passion is for there to be a continuation of unity, a continuation of purpose. Amen. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Why is this necessary for us? And what the world needs now is God, our God, to be their father, right? And to be one with him. We're the ones for this time. This is the end times right now. This is that. It's us. We're his sons and daughters, right? That you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. You know, I, I, uh, I we, uh, we went on this walk yesterday that's against abortion, you know, and, and I was, I, I wrote something about this with regard to life and, and God's perspective on life. And, and uh, it was the preamble to our message last week. And, and God's life, perspective on life and his fatherhood of us begins before we were conceived by a father. This is how wide ranging his fatherhood is for us. He has a plan for us. He's written a whole book about us. He cares so much about us. 
Amen? And he, through us as fathers, the ones that are able to be, he's going to be represented to the world. Amen? What a, what a responsibility we have. What an opportunity we have. Amen? To take on the name, to take on the character, to lose things that were parading around as facades in our lives, right? And to know who we are, to find our identity in him. Amen? Hallelujah. Is this good this morning? It's good to, good to have God speak to us. Amen? And I believe he's spoken beyond my words this morning to our hearts. I believe that each one of us, God prepared something for us today.